Family, I am doubly excited to have this opportunity to present to you one of Houston's next generation transformational leaders. He's not a stranger to the ship. But just in case you don't know who he is, listen, God has blessed him, gifted him in such a mighty way that he's presently serving as the youth pastor at the Fountain of Praise. But not only that, God has gifted him in such a way that it allows him to share his gift, not only with the city and those that he serves, but God has blessed him and given him a platform in the whole world. We're blessed to have him right here at the ship. So would you come on and just clap your hands and say welcome. Give a great big Connect and Fellowship welcome to my friend and my brother and God's representative, Pastor William Cumber. Great morning, Connecting Fellowship family. Man, my name is Will Cumbie. I am the youth pastor at the Fountain of Praise in Houston, Texas. Our youth department is called The Rock Youth Church, man, and I'm excited to share a word with you uh, this morning. You know, before I get started, I have to do this. I've got to thank my brother, my mentor, my friend. Listen, this guy is like... Uh, He's, he's, he's the leader, man, and I'm so grateful to be on his team. Pastor Hubbard, thank you again for this opportunity to speak to your members and your youth and to be here at your beautiful facility. Also, I would be remiss if I do not thank that wonderful young lady who's been on your side for all these years. Listen, my wife, I, God bless her, so I know what it's like. Pastor Sherry, thank you so very much for what you do here. And then also, I've got to thank the youth workers, you guys, are doing it, man. This is the time, this is the season to reach out to these kids. They're already on the internet doing those things. And so it is necessary in this season that you continue to be a voice that they need. I like to tell people this, they're gonna eat out of your refrigerator before they go find food somewhere else. So it's important that we are feeding them something good at home. And so I'm grateful for what uh, you're doing. Miss um, Yolanda Gardner and Miss Tawanda Smith, God, thank you, bless you for all that you do. Uh, listen, also, I want to thank your leaders. Listen, the guy behind the camera, man, I was supposed to start this earlier, but we've been hanging out and talking. He is my fellow Fuller Seminarian. So shout out to you, man. God bless you uh, again for you. Let's let's get into this. Um, listen, this is a unique reality that we're living in right now. Uh, we're witnessing a pandemic fear that is crippling our nation. Uh, we're also seeing the passing of matriarchs and patriarchs that we figured would live forever. And the truth is, it's we're not mad that they're gone, we're hurt because we thought they would never leave. And then we have the uncertainty of the school year that we don't know what's gonna happen. And it's enough to be a heavy and debilitating, debilitating and cause extreme amounts of anxiety. Yet there is something that I'm certain about. The Bible says he that has begun a good work, can I start there? He's begun a good work, and we have to believe that the work that God has begun is good work indeed. Before we even get to where it's going, let's be thankful for the fact that the work that God is doing in you in this season, that it's good. Um, we don't have to carry anxiety. We don't, we don't have to shoulder the weight of our problems. We don't even have to drag our pain around. God tells us to cast our cares on him. He tells us to be anxious for nothing. He reminds us that he walks with us. If God is for us, come on, tell me, who can be against us? He's not done with me and he's certainly not done with you. God is in 
this season just because it's dark. Can I tell you this? Just because it's dark and it's rainy outside, that doesn't mean the sun has ceased to exist. It's a little bit cloudy. And guess what? Clouds still move. I believe that the season that we're in is exactly what it is. It's a season, albeit a long one, but the sun hasn't disappeared because the clouds seem to have lingered. Clouds still move. The, the, the book of Joshua chapter 24 is, is where we'll kind of hang out for a short moment. Verses 14 and 15 is what I'll read it to you. It says, now fear the Lord and serve him with all faithfulness. Throw away the gods your ancestors worshiped before the Euphrates River and in Egypt and serve the Lord. Verse 15 says this, but if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve. I feel like that's a setup. <laughs> whom you will serve, whether the gods of your ancestors served beyond the Euphrates or the gods of the Amorites, in whose land you're living. Are you going to serve the gods in the land that you're living? It gets good. Watch this. Then it ends by saying this. But as for me and my house, somebody say my house. As for me and my house, we will. I like how it says we, because a lot of times we say, as for me and my house, I will. But what he's saying or what is being said is that not only will I do it, but anyone under this roof, anyone under this leadership, anyone that comes that that darkens the, 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 the door frame of my house, we will serve the Lord. A French philosopher, Albert Camus, said this. I would rather live with my life. I would rather live my life as if there is a God and die and find out there isn't than live as if there isn't a God and die and find out that there is. It's estimated that the average human being or the average adult makes 35,000 remotely conscious choices daily. 35,000. Think about that. 35,000 choices are made by the average adult in a single day. Each of those choices carries a consequence. Our life outcomes have a great bearing on what we choose and how we make that decision. What happens next is determined by what we choose and what leads us to make that decision. The last line in 2415 says this. It resonates with me. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Choices. The Bible says this, I, I put before you life and death, blessings and cursings. It then goes on to say, choose life, choices, choices. So often we are, we are told and we tell our family, I'll pray for you. But can I give you a question? When is the last time you prayed with your family? It's so easy to say, I'll pray for you. But when is the last time I, I challenge you? You said, I'll pray with my family. We, we can say, as for me in my house, but if you're truly saying, me in my house, are you praying for them? Or are you praying with them? There's a specific story in the Bible that I want to unpack with you today that directly deals with the choices that we make to seek God for our family. Have you ever had someone in your family that, that has upset you to such a degree that you couldn't even be in their presence? You, you didn't even want to see the smell of them, the sight of them just upset you, angered you to such a degree that says, I don't even want to see your face. True story. My, my, I have a younger brother. Uh, matter of fact, we are 13 months apart in age, right? Do the math on that. You'll figure it out later. <laughs> we are pretty close in age. 
uh, when we grew up, although we, my mom had, we had apartments, my brother and I were forced to live in the same room and sometimes sleep in the same bed, take a bath in the same bathtub, wear the same clothes. My brother and I had to do everything together. And you would think because of this relationship uh, that we were forced to live in that we would be close. Wrong. <laughs> my brother and I fought like cats and dogs. We fought tooth and nail. My brother would chase me with kitchen utensils. We were angry with each other. So would you believe that when it was time for me to go to college, I was like, good riddance, I'm out. <laughs> I couldn't wait to get away from, although he was my brother, he was a person that I shared life with, a person that I lived with for 18 years. The moment I had the chance to disappear from his presence, I was like, good, I'm out. <laughs> but would you believe when I left the house, it was something that held me to my brother. I wasn't in his face anymore, but I still sought God's face for him. Let's look at scripture. Let's look at scripture. Let's, let's look at scripture. But you know what? Let me, let me give you this too. People leave our lives for different reasons. Have you, have you been in a relationship where maybe it was a dad? And I, I, I know I'm getting close to someone where maybe you had a family member go to prison. Maybe you were in a situation where where you were in a relationship with someone. And, and now because of a divorce, you no longer are able to be in each other's presence. Maybe the case was that you were in a relationship, it was a friendship, and something happened that, that, that severed the friendship in such a way that you were no longer able to be in their presence. There comes times in the lives of most and nearly every relationship where we are separated from each other's presence, but the challenge is, although we are not in each other's presence, will we seek the presence of God for their lives? Uh, let's let's look at this. Genesis chapter 13, verses five and six. Travel with me. Travel with me. Genesis chapter 13, verses five and six. It reads this. Now, Lot, who was moving about with Abram, also had flocks and herds and tents. Verse six. But the land could not support them while they stayed together. For the possessions were so great that they were not able to stay together. Now, we all know that Abraham had many sons, <laughs> but before he had sons, he was caring for his brother's son, Lot. Together, they amassed this great amount of property and cattle, and they came to a point where they could no longer dwell on the same land together. If you go back and read the text, if you go back and read in, in, in Genesis 13, what happened was they had amassed all these things and their herdsmen, their people had an issue. And because their people had an issue, they then began to have issues with each other. It's amazing how our company can cause us to have quarrels with our own family. It wasn't even them that started. It was their people that started it. Man, you need to be conscious of the people you call friend. They might be destroying your own family. And so what happened was they, they said, we can no longer be in. You've you been there before. Listen, I can't be in the same house with you. I can't be under the same. We can't be in the same land. There's just what we've got is not working. And so we must separate. Take your stuff. <laughs> I think you better leave. That's old school. That's old school song right there. Me alone. Get your bags. Anyway, anyway. So watch this. So Abram tells Lot, you got to go. And even tells Lot, he says, listen, I don't care where you go. Pick your space. You've been there before. You've been so mad. Listen, I don't care where you go, but it's got to be somewhere away from here. I, I'm not even going to tell you where to go. Just go somewhere. For my high school students, maybe it's like this. You're tired of mom and dad telling you what to do. And you say, mom, I'm, I'm, I'm out of here. 
I, and your mom says, I don't care where you go to school. You just better go to school. You say, I'm fine. I'm, I'm, I'm out. I'm leaving. I, I, I just, me and you are not clicking. We're not connecting. I've got to go. This was the story of Abraham or Abram and Lot. They said, we are no longer connecting. And so in this moment, we must disconnect from each other's presence. Abram tells Lot, you, you got to go. And he says, listen, you can choose where you want to go. You, if you want the left, I'm going to take the right. If you want the right, I'll take It's in the Bible. I promise I'm making this up. He says, you want the left, I'll take the right. If you want the right, I'll take the left. And Lot chooses a certain and specific place of land. It's, it's the plain of Jordan. If you, if you, if you are a visual person, it's, it's like, um, uh, down near Conroe, uh, it's now called, uh, it's, it's a, it's a resort area, right? It was beautiful. It's right off the water. It's, it's just spacious. It's all this land, but there's something a little wrong with this land that he's chosen. It borders this city called Sodom. And what happened was when Abram let him go, Abram knew that the separation was inevitable and Abram knew that God would still take care of Lot. Parents, I tell you this, too. I know we get my mom did this for me when I was in high school. She said, boy, you're smelling yourself. It's time to go. But she said, I know, although I can't put my hands on you, I know God still has his eyes on you because I know that God is in you. And so Abram tells Lot, you got to go. But I think in that moment, what he was telling him is like, I know you got to leave, but I pray and I know that God's hand will not leave your presence. So Abram knew that God would take care of Lot. But Lot chooses this land based on his eyes and not his heart. You go back and look at it. When Lot chooses his land, he doesn't seek God. He doesn't ask God about where he now. And that even happens. Let me tell you, my high school students, as you're entering your senior year and preparing for college. Yes, there are some beautiful colleges that have some beautiful things that are happening on those beautiful campuses. But if you're not seeking God about where you're going to school, there's a chance that you will see a lot of ugly things and you experience a lot of ugly occurrences. He, he tells him Lot just picks this land and, and Lot knew God, but was not in relationship with God like Abram. He chose what looked good, but it was bordered by Sodom. And, and, and the thing about Sodom, the Bible says that it was known for its wickedness, which means there was there was excess of food, it was prosperous ease, but they did not aid the poor. They were living off their own luxuries. They were just happy to be there. They were just loving themselves. And God said, that's not my people. And, and because of your wickedness, I'm not happy. Lot was righteous. Lot's righteousness. And I wrote this down. Catch this. Lot was righteous living in a rotten area. Does that make sense to anybody? Prodigal son? You look good, but you're living in the wrong space. You're a good person, but you're in bad company. Lot was a righteous man. He was connected to Abram. He was connected to the father. He was connected to promise. He was connected to prosperity. He was connected to better. But Lot was in his own feelings and, and he decided to choose a lot of land that did not include the hand of God. And so in 1 Corinthians 15, 33, we see that he chooses the plain of Jordan. Now, let me get into my points. That was just my introduction. Ha! Watch. Here we go. Watch this. So Abram spoke with God before he planted his tent. We realize that after Lot chooses his land, Abram then goes to choose where he's going to go. But God has a conversation with him and he starts telling him things like all this to the north is yours. All this to the west is yours. All this. To, he says all of this is yours. And so before Abram plants his tent, Abram spoke with God. I go back to my my high school students and those who were about to graduate from high school and, and even those who are looking to move into a new home. Before you plant your stakes, make sure you pray to your father. 
Lot just chose a lot of land, but Abram spoke to God and then landed where God wanted him to be. Here's my first point. Let God have the last word. Let God have the last word. We talk about how the herdsmen were quarreling, right? They were having these issues. And because the issues of the herdsmen, it then filtered up to their leadership. It filtered up to Abram and it filtered up to Lot. And so because the herdsmen were quarreling, now Abram and Lot are quarreling. And, And can I give you this? This is my first point. And number one is that the person trying to get the last word doesn't want the argument to end. The person trying to get the last word doesn't want the argument to end. Can, can I get it to make sense to you? You ever, you ever, you're arguing with someone and you feel like the argument is done and then they say something underneath their breath? Why do you think they said that underneath their breath? They wanted a reaction out of you. They didn't want the conversation to end. They were baiting you back into the conversation to continue the argument. Do you know how to end the argument? Stop talking. That's, that's how you end it. I, I, I can't argue with silence. So what happened was the quarreling was happening and and the way Abram was able to stop the quarreling, he said, listen, you got to go. I'm not going to sit here and go back and forth with you. I've got to remove this. And so my first point simply is let God have the last word. The second thing I put under that is that speak to God before you respond to people. I think the reason that that the the, the anger or the, the issues that were happening between Abram and Lot, the reason it didn't blow up into something greater is because of Abram's relationship with God. Parents, I understand that these teenagers can drive you to that point. But before you do what you know you shouldn't do, say, God, let me talk to you real quick. Teenagers, when you have relationships with your friends and you say, listen, I'm I'm tired of you talking on. I'm tired of you bumping your gums on the Internet. I'm tired of you saying this and that about me. I'm about to tell you how I really feel about you before you do that. Have a conversation with your father. Too many businesses, too many relationships, too many, too many great things have crumbled because people decided to speak their mind before they spoke to their father in heaven. Scripture puts it this way. Be slow to speak. Quick to listen. Right. What 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 would happen if you stopped to think before you spoke? The Bible talks about how that small thing in our mouth, our tongue is a small rudder. Right. But it can turn a big ship. It's amazing what your mouth can make happen. What would happen if you would shut up and let God speak for you? Let God have the last word. Here's the third thing I wrote. Parents, understand this. Right. You, 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 you were taught in the word to train up a child and that when they're old, they won't depart from it. There comes a point where you have to let them go. They have to to move into their adulthood. They have. Now, if you got a 35 year old at your house still, listen, it's okay. We're going to work on that. It's okay. But here's the deal. You train them up so they will leave. Yes, there will be some things that they'll get into. But you have to believe that the word that you implanted into their system, that the prayers that you prayed over their body, that the, the lifestyle that you lived in front of them. Watch this. Watch this. Children are the greatest imitators. So we must give them something great to imitate. If you have been imitating, if you've been living this life that says, I love God with my whole heart, that when trouble comes, I seek God, that when when situations are troubling, I am not troubled because I know that God is in control, that when tribulation shows up, I'm not overwhelmed because I know the Bible says that he's overwhelmed. Overcome the world. When your children see you serve God, when their situation comes up, they say, I'll do what my mama and daddy did. Abram had to let Lot go. But Abram, I believe, was the reason he was able to do that without warring with Lot when he left. And once he said, I've seen he's seen me serve God. So I pray that he serves God when he's not in my presence. 
Here's point number two. Here's point number two. Love them anyway and pray for them anyway. I, I wrote that love them anyway and pray for them anyway because I think that many times we can get so angry with people that not only do we not have anything to say to them, we no longer want to say anything to God about them. Let me let me let me get that to also make sense to you. You ever been so mad at somebody that you said, why don't you just keep my name out your mouth? Keep my, don't don't mention my name. Don't say my name. Don't 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 breathe my name. But listen, let me give you this. Be careful who you say. Don't say your name, because that might be the very person that is speaking your name before your father in heaven and looking out for you, even though you don't want them to look in your face. Love them anyway is what I want to give you. Understand this. Don't let your beef cause you to miss your blessing. You so mad at them for them telling you to clean your room. You so mad at them because they told you to go to school. You so mad at them because they checked you on some behavior that you should have been checked on anyway. And now you say, don't say nothing about me. But that grandmother is the one that's been praying for you. That mother's been the one that's been looking out for you. That friend is the one that's been praying for you. And so the last thing you want is them to stop speaking to God on your behalf. Here's number two. Love them anyway. In Genesis 18, 22 through 33. Watch this. I'm going to go through this. I, I don't know my time. I forgot to start my clock. But Genesis 18. Watch this. Watch this. I want to I want to read this for you real quick. Genesis 18. It says this verses 22 through 33. What happened is now Abram is now Abraham. Right. Right. God came down. He did some things. He, he Sarah, he's 99 years old. He didn't got Sarah. Preg- That's a whole story in itself. But she pregnant. She happy and, and, and with gray hairs and a belly. Right. It's a beautiful thing. Right. And Lot is now living in Sodom. Abraham, watch this, watch this. Uh, he, he these three angels come to speak to Abraham and they say, listen, we're about to go down and destroy the city. Abraham's like, whoa, whoa, you're about to go destroy the city. Watch what he does. 18 verses 22 through 33. I want to read it because it's good. The men turned from there and talking about the angels and went towards Sodom while Abraham remained standing before the Lord. Grandma, keep standing. Mama, keep standing. Pa, keep standing. Brother, keep standing. Watch this. He didn't go down there. There are many times that I was in school struggling and going through things and my mama couldn't get there, but she stood in the gap for me. Watch this. The men turned from there and went toward Sodom while Abram remained standing before the Lord. Abram stepped forward and said, will you really sweep away the righteous with the wicked? What if there are 50 righteous people in the city? Will you really sweep it away instead of sparing the place for the sake of the 50 righteous people who are in it? You could not possibly do such a thing to kill the righteous with the wicked, treating the righteous and the wicked alike. You could not possibly do that. You won't won't the judge of all the earth do what is just. Right. He's, he's, he's talking to God here. The Lord said, if I find 50 righteous people in the city of Sodom, I'll spare the whole place for their sake. Verse 27. Then Abram answered, since I have ventured to speak to the Lord, even though I'm dust and ashes, suppose the 50, suppose the 50 righteous lack five. Will you destroy the whole city for the lack of five? He replied, I will not destroy it. If I find 45 there, watch this. Then he spoke to him again. This is Abraham. He's coming back to God again. Suppose 40 are found there. God answers him. I will not do it on account of 40. Abram shows up again. He gets in the face of God. Then he said, let the Lord not be angry and I will speak further. Suppose 30 are found there. God answers. I will not do it if I find 30 there. 
Then he said, since, since I have ventured to speak the Lord, he sounds like my kids and their snacks during the season. <laughs> since I got a muffin, can I get this too, right? right? They just keep coming back. Then he said, since I have ventured to speak to the Lord, suppose 20 are found there. He replied, I will not destroy it on the account of 20. Then he said, Lord, listen, not be angry. And I, I will speak one more time, one more time. Suppose 10 are found there. He answered, I will not destroy it on the count of 10. When the Lord had finished speaking with Abraham, he departed and Abraham returned to his place. Here's my second point. Love them anyway. Pray for them anyway. Despite the fact that Abraham didn't want to be in the presence of Lot, and Lot could not be in the presence of Abraham. Abraham said, I still want to get in the presence of God on their behalf. How many of you, despite the anger that you have towards family, that aunt that made you mad, that person that says something about your business at the family reunion that you, I ain't got nothing to say to them no more. <laughs> Will you still seek God on their behalf? That, that father that, that treated you unfairly, that son that mismanaged your funds, Amen. hurt your heart and your bank account. Will you still seek God for them? The Bible here, Abram says, he, he prayed for him anyway. And not just the Lord, do something for him. Lord, you know what? Take care. He said, the Bible says he sought God six different times. He said, God, I'm praying for the city. But he was praying for the city knowing that his son, he knowing that Lot was there, knowing that his family, his relative was there. He said, God, I know you're going to destroy the city. God, I know there's destruction coming. But God, if you could just find a few righteous people, will you save it? I'm asking you. I know it looks difficult. It looks crazy at maybe the prison where you have some family members uh, that are in there. But will you still pray for your family members, even though they've done some things that are down? Dastardly and no good. I love God enough to say, I'll pray for my family, even though I can't see myself speaking to them face to face. Despite their disagreements in separate cities, Abraham prayed for Lot. Understand this, ladies and gentlemen, prayer has no limits. It doesn't matter that you're not in the same city. Uh, the Bible, right when we read it, that Abraham stood back from from side. He didn't even go into the city. But he prayed. Did you know that your prayers, there is no limits on them. You can pray from here and it'll reach Timbuktu if you wanted it to. All it asks is for you to open your mouth. It's amazing what happens when we when we speak to God on behalf of others. As a matter of fact, you, the reason that you're here today is because your grandmother probably prayed for you. The reason you're here today is because somebody didn't let up praying for you. You know what your life was like. You know the circumstances and the situations that you were in. And yet the person you couldn't stand still stood up on your behalf and said, God, pray. For, God, help my little brother. God, help my little sister. God, help my daughter. Help my son. What will you do for your family members? Abraham prayed for Lot without Lot knowing or even waiting for Lot to apologize. That's a good point there, too. <laughs> Many of you all won't pray until you know that they hear you praying. You you the one that say, listen, um, you know, I see you. I'm going to pray for you. Lord, listen, that sinner right there. Uh huh. You know what they did. Why? Why? Listen, that prayer is between you and the Lord. And if you look at the scripture, Abraham never told Lot he was praying for him. He just did it. Why? Why do you got to tell people you why you got to? I'm going to pray for you. Just do it. I, I have a problem with people who say I'm trying. If you wanted to, you would just do it. I, I often tell people when, when they tell me they're not feeling well, um, maybe this is you, too. You tell them I'm going to pray for you. Did you do it? 
when God urges you to pray for somebody, do it then. Let's, let's move from I'll pray for you to let's pray right now. So Abraham prayed for Lot without Lot knowing or even waiting for Lot to apologize. Can you forgive those who don't want to forget? Can you forgive and pray for those who want to hold it over you? Because best believe, just because you've forgiven them doesn't mean they will let you forget that it happened. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I just think that that's the, 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 the believer's walk and the way that we do is we say, God, that this is bigger than me and my anger with this person but I'm praying for them. Don't you know the Bible says that when you return good for evil, it's like heaping hot coals on their life. Why, why is it hot coals? Because if you know anything about steel, like this, this, this pulpit right here, this podium, that, that when, it's, when it's hit with heat, it becomes malleable. It, it becomes pliable. And so with that heat of that good for evil, it can turn the heart of stone into a heart of flesh. Here's my third point. I'm, I promise I'm almost done. I'm, I'm around third base. Here we go. Understand this. Jesus saves. I, I, I used to watch now, I'm, I'm grown now, but I used to watch uh, Maury back in the day. And one of the funny things that Maury would always say when he would have the people on stage, you probably know where I'm going. Maury would say, you are not the father. I love that. Understand this. Jesus saves, not you. Why are you out here trying to, you can't fix it, but what you can do is you can pray about it that you can ask God for direction about it, that you can seek God for direction for your family. So Abraham prayed for the city. He wanted the city to be saved, but God provided the solution. He, if we, let, let me give you this also, parents. You, you can't pray for your kids and try and fix all your kids' problems. You pray for them, and if you trust God the way you trust God to do things, say, God, it's in your hands. What good is asking God to fix it, and then you go in and try and do it yourself? We've got what Abraham did is he knew that Lot was in a bad position. But what Abraham did is, God, I know my child is in a bad place. God, I know that my my, my boy's son is not in a good place, but I'm seeking you. But Abraham, look back at the scripture. What did it say? He stood before the Lord. You don't your job is to pray. Your job is to to seek it and to be passionate about seeking God on the behalf of those that you love. But don't seek God and then try and do all the work yourself. I challenge you to pray passionately, to pray persistently, that if you really want God to come through for your family members, if you really want that relationship to be to be fixed, if you really want things to be better, pray passionately and pray persistently. I'd like to say this quote that if you're consistent, you'll get it. I mean, if you're persistent, you'll get it. But if you're consistent, you'll keep it. Persistence will allow you to get what you're seeking. But when you're consistent, you will be able to keep it. Some of us need to go from being persistent in our prayer life to being consistent as well. Because we'll pray until we get what we want. But will you continue to pray to keep what you've got? I want the relationship with my family. But after I get it, I want to be consistent to maintain it. I want I want my marriage to be right. So I sought God and now me and my my wife are on terms and we're good. But then we stopped praying and then we split again. God said you are persistent to get what you wanted, but were you consistent to keep what you wanted? Mm -hmm. I wanted the relationship better with with my child. And so I sought God on behalf of my child. My child is back home. And then I went back along my way and my child went the other way. He said, if you are persistent, you got it. But if you're consistent, you keep it. Don't stop praying just because he saved. Keep praying because he continues to save. Genesis 19. Genesis 19, 27 through 29. Abraham prays. Fire comes down on on Sodom. It still happens, right? Many of us have prayed for things and destruction is still taking place. 
But watch what happened in, in Genesis 19, Genesis 19, 27 through 29. Watch this. I'm, I'm, I'm old school. I still like using a Bible. That's that's me. Don't judge me. Genesis 19, 27 through 29. Watch this. Watch this. It says it right here. Uh, 27. Early in the morning, Abraham went to the place where he had stood before the Lord. I got a small joke there. Old people get up early and pray. It was, it was young. Let me, Lord, let me seek you around noon. <laughs> but he said, early. so you know Abraham was old, right? Early in, early. That's what he, Never mind. Early in the morning, Abraham went to the place where he stood before the Lord. That shows consistency. He went back to the place where he stood before the Lord. He looked down towards Sodom and Gomorrah and all the land of the plain. And he saw that smoke was going up from the land like the smoke of a furnace. So it was when God destroyed the cities of the plain, he remembered Abraham and brought Lot out of the middle of the upheaval when he demolished the cities where Lot had lived. (laughs) Lot, if you go back and read it, never really was like, Lord, but it was the prayers of his uncle. Our family may never thank us for us praying for them, but it doesn't mean that our prayers were in vain. They may never say sorry for what they said to you, but it doesn't mean your prayers were in vain. They, they may never give you a hug and kiss you on the cheek for, getting, for, for God delivering them from their circumstance, but that doesn't mean your prayers are in vain. Keep praying. Love them anyway. Every good preacher has a last story. (laughs) I believe that God hears our prayers even when our family doesn't want to hear our voice. And I believe that just as we read the parable of the prodigal son, that even though the son was away from the father, the father still prayed for his son. Why else would he run when his son showed up? Because he had sought God for his son's return. There's a story in Wyoming of of a young boy, six years old, who was um, out playing in the front yard with his little sister. Um, I get teared up just thinking of the story. And then as he's with his little sister, uh, what happens is his dog shows up and the dog is preparing to maul his baby sister, six-year-old boy. The dog launches towards the family. The boy stands in front, uh, in between his sister and the dog and the dog goes on and starts to, to just gnaw at the boy's face. The story says that after the dog had chewed on his face, the boy grabs his sister and goes off to run. When he runs off, the story says that when he got home and got to the hospital, he needed 90 stitches in his face. 90 stitches in his face. And when they asked him, the boy's name, the boy's name was Bridger. When they asked him, why did you stand between your sister and a dog? His answer just excites me. He says, if someone was going to die, I thought it should be me. I like that story because he said, I will stand up for my my sister. You know, four year olds, six year olds, they fight all the time. But he said, I don't care about what we fight about. What I care about is your life. Do you care more about the fight than your family's life? He said, I'll stand up. If somebody has to die, it might as well be me. Listen, will you die? What does that mean when I say die? Will you the Bible talks about uh, uh, that we must that we must sacrifice our life. That what what, uh, what greater love is this that He lays down His life? Will you lay down your popularity? Will you lay down your pride? Will you let Will you let your pride die so that you can pray for your family members? Or is your pride and, and your Let me give you this. Don't win the argument and lose your testimony. You you won the argument and 
now how do other people see you? How does your family see you? I, I know there's a grandfather, there's a grandmother, there's a mother, there's a father, there's a sibling praying for you right now and you don't even know it. Your name is being mentioned in rooms that you haven't even walked in. And what they're doing is they're praying to their father in heaven on your behalf. And, it, and there is no age limit on it, whether you're six or you're 66 or you're 96. Somebody is lifting your name before the Lord right now. And I know a man who gave his life for you and me and seeks God on your behalf and my behalf every day. Keep praying for your family. He began a good work in them and he began a good work in you. If you continue to pray, the Bible says he will see it to completion. But you got to keep praying. You got to keep seeking God, even though they don't want to see your face. Because God is the ultimate decision maker, not you. Now is your chance to realize how the prayers of your family still work. Now is the chance to realize that your prayers still work. And even if they don't say sorry, you can still see God on their behalf. Can we pray? Father, I thank you for this time that we've shared as brothers and sisters, family members across the internet. But God, we thank you that just as they are able to see my face a great distance from where I stand, I thank you that our prayers can travel a great distance from where we stand in prayer. So God, I pray for every person that heard today that if they were reached and they were touched by this message, God, that you go in and you do heart surgery on their life. That you go in where they may be angry with their brother or their sister or their family member. And God, that you do some healing. That you go in and prime their heart for you. That God, that you bring to their remembrance somebody that they've had aught with, that they've been angry with, and you remind them to seek you on their behalf. God, your word says the prayers of the righteous availeth much. Abraham was righteous. Abraham prayed righteous prayers. And because of Abraham's prayers, Lot's life was saved. And not even his entire family's life. But God, we thank you that the prayers of Abraham caused healing and safety and protection for his family. And so now, God, we have lifted our families before you. God, we uplift those that we haven't spoken to in years. We uplift those that we haven't seen in years. We uplift those that we didn't even want to see for years. But God, we would rather you see them, that you protect them, than us have an issue with them. So God, provide healing for families. God, provide restitution for families. God, bring healing to families. God, provide protection and health and safety for families. God, do what you do. Meet them at the point of their need. We thank you for this time. We thank you for this house. We thank you for this church. We thank you for what you're doing through this ministry. God, I'm even praying. I heard about the fire that took place, but God, I know that you are setting a fire amongst those who are in control to get some, to get, to get help, to get resources back into the house. God, because you have created something great in this place and the word is stretching all over. So God, for everything that you've set up, God, you have a set up for. So God, we thank you that you're doing great things in this house for the leadership of this house for the members of this house that you're doing a good thing because you've already created a good work. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you. Thank you.